Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke and in this podcast series I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice for your medical practice. In this episode we're talking with an expert general physician about the spleen and the post-splenectomy syndrome. The spleen has many essential functions. In literature it's often used to indicate emotion. Alexander Demar wrote, there's nothing more galling to angry people than the coolness of those on whom they wish to vent their spleen. From the medical perspective, it's important in the clearance of microorganisms, that is, bacteria that are opsonized or coated with immunoglobulin. It's important in the clearance of antigens and effete cells and the removal of nuclear remnants referred to as how jolly bodies. It's also important in the synthesis of immunoglobulin G, propurdin, which is an essential component of the alternate pathway of the complement activation system, as well as tuftsin, an immunostimulatory stimulatory tetrapeptide. A further important function relates to its removal of abnormal red blood cells. It plays an important role in red cell production in fetal life, and is often called back into play in some pathologic states, such as in myelofibrosis. It may be pathologically enlarged in hemolytic anemia, thalassemia, spherocytosis, and sickle cell anemia, as well as in hematologic malignancies some storage diseases such as Gaucher's disease, in hemorrhoid and of course in portal hypertension, as well as in many infectious situations such as malaria, viral infections including EBV and bacterial endocarditis. Its removal, either secondary to trauma or as part of a clinical treatment for a condition such as ITP, has consequences, in particular in relation to sepsis, which is 58 times the average risk in the situation of traumatic removal, but over a thousand times the risk in situations such as removal for thalassemia. To avoid overwhelming post-splenectomy infection, OPSI, it's very important to know if the splenectomized patient has been immunized against capsulated organisms such as Streptococcus pneumoniae, Haemophilus influenzae, and Neisseria meningitis, and to appreciate the consequences of subsequent thrombocytosis. To discuss the importance of splenectomy in more detail, we're joined by the very affable and intelligent Dr. Muhammad al-Sufi, trained at Medical City and Rashid Hospital's Baghdad, before taking his own walk free to Australia, where he concluded the FRACP and has become a very loved member of his local medical community. Please welcome Dr. Muhammad al-Sufi. Uh, Dr. Mohamed Al-Sufi, thank you very much for joining me today on thank Everyday you. Medicine. Uh, I, I appreciate very much um, knowing you professionally and uh, it's been very kind of you to join me today to talk about uh, the spleen, uh, the function of the spleen and um, in particular the post syndrome. But before we launch into that, Mohamed, before we launch yes. into that, yes. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your journey to medicine because it's very intriguing. You. You trained initially in Iraq, and I know you've had a very interesting journey here to, to Melbourne, Australia. Can you tell us about that? Can you give us a thumbnail sketch about how you got here yeah. and uh, with your beautiful family? T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you very much, Luke, uh, for the nice introduction. Um, um, actually, uh, I finished my uh, degree, bachelor in, in, in surgery and medicine in Iraq, Baghdad. Yes. And then after that, I actually walked through some uh, requirements, uh, as you know, as in here, but uh, there's also some uh, military requirements at that uh, time. 
and then I went through uh, uh, the actually the uh, tertiary or the high degree, which is it was it was called the Arabic Board of Medicine, and that is almost similar to what's in Canada. Uh, usually they have it for over four years, and it's more practical than the uh, than theory. But at the end of the four years, we sit a theory and also part two exam, just like any membership examination. Mm. Um, but the uh, good thing is that we have to do, for example, six monthly uh, terms uh, in every uh, mm. branch, and that gives a very, a very good really experience. So that's uh, the initial training was in gastroenterology. Yeah, great That's choice. when I started to yes. uh, uh, yeah. introduce to the scopes and the gastroscopy, yes. colonoscopy, and then yeah. the six months after that, I tried cardiology, which again, I started to work in coronary catheters and, mm. The, mm. and the angiograms, and the, we do it uh, practically. And then we went into the endocrine, and we've done all these mm. tests, the insulin actually test, uh, different hormone studies, and for six months, and then the infectious diseases, and you know, Iraq is one of the endemic countries, mm. and they have a lot mm. of tropical diseases uh, like mm. malaria and uh, tuberculosis. Um, uh, uh, also, we got uh, typhoid, brucellosis, uh, and mm. so a lot of things. So we, that's given me a great experience, and uh, and they actually helped me even uh, when I came to Australia because I, st I start to pick up some of these. Uh, Conditions, yeah, uh, conditions. Yeah, mm. well, we, we don't see yeah. that sorts of yeah, conditions. Yeah, yeah, I picked up a few actually. Mm. Typhoid yeah. and uh, yes, it's fairly uh, rare. Yeah, I know yeah, when I worked yeah, in correct. London, I had this case of typhoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I didn't pick it. Yeah, I had to ring the next day and say, "What was it?" Because I yeah. really want to know. Yeah. And they said, "Oh, typhoid, you idiot." And uh, okay. <laughs> Because yeah. I hadn't seen that here. And then, uh, then we worked in, in neurology for six months. We have to read EEGs. We have to run yes. uh, uh, multiple sclerosis clinic, mm. uh, epilepsy mm. clinic. So, so it's the, a very good the, setup to exactly. be. Exactly. Now then, you've moved into and, general. And then when that's why work. I decided exactly when I came to Australia, I decided to go through all this because I like all the. Oh, mm. To be honest, uh, I work in everything: uh, gastroenterology, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. even. Even at that time, we used to do liver biopsies, but yes. also with that radiology yeah. Yeah. guided. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after I finished the Arabic board, uh, uh, actually I worked as a consultant physician in, uh, in Iraq, in different parts of Iraq, in the north of Iraq, in Baghdad, mm. Mm. Uh, middle mm. of Iraq. This was Saddam's Iraq. Exactly. Mm. Until the uh, Gulf War. Yeah. Of I went also with my family to UK to do the... Uh, England to do the uh, MRCP uh, right. there, but yeah. I passed the part one, but part two, unfortunately, halfway we got there, uh, have to go back to Iraq because uh, there was the Gulf War mm. uh, too, and my family, the rest of the family there, and then we decided to leave to uh, Syria, and then from in Syria, I actually worked in gastroenterology, so that's where I started mm. to do some scopes for around one year, and then until I came to Australia. This is a book, Mohammed. Uh, yeah. It's a it book. Is, yeah, it is very like, summary is, of what's happening, but yes. every day actually. This happens. is like the long march. <laughs> the long march very to being a general physician very, in Melbourne. Correct. Yeah. Helping all the patients, and, and you know, you're very much loved here in Melbourne, and yeah. uh, you're called upon by not just other people like myself, but also by surgeons in particular to for their pre-med, their post-surgical uh, uh, management. Yeah. And I think everyone very much appreciates this incredible background 
the knowledge you've brought yeah. with you, it, yeah. it really is quite astounding. And yeah. one of the things we wanted to discuss today is something that uh, maybe isn't talked about all that much, um, but is this post-splenectomy syndrome and what the spleen does. Are you happy just to launch into that and tell us a bit about the yeah. spleen? T uh, tell us uh, about the organ we're dealing with here. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, yeah, as you said, not many people actually aware. It's, it's, it is really interesting to know first what the word spleen means. Mm. The word spleen actually has been used for many, many years, Thank since the spleen. Middle Ages. Thank you, spleen. Exactly, and spleen, yes. which, which indicates expression of anger or yeah. frustration. Even they use it in the songs. Uh, Rosas used the spleen, which took suppress the <laughs> anger. Now, wh whenever we talk about spleen, comes to the mind the uh, one of these sequence of numbers, which is uh, easy to remember. Uh, that's the one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven. Sounds like the magic one, numbers here. Exactly. One, three, and five are in inches, which are the dimension of the spleen. Okay. Seven in ounces, that's or two hundred grams. That's the weight of the spleen, and then nine and eleven. Well, the spleen lies between the ribs, nine to eleven. This is like so bag, 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 magic you're bringing to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew this before yeah. my exams. <laughs> and then, uh, then the spleen, uh, uh, it, it has two parts really. Oh. And one part is called the white pulp, which yes. is mainly lymphocyte, T lymphocyte and B lymphocyte. Yes. As you know, the T lymphocyte is a concern with the, uh, the cellular immunity, while the uh, B lymphocyte is the, with the humoral immunity. Mm. And uh, that's the white pulp. And then the second part, which is the red pulp, that's a blood-filled sinuses or uh, uh, venous cords, uh, mm. which we'll talk about. This is mainly contains uh, macrophages. Uh, right. Uh, reticular endothelial system. Mm. Um, the, uh, uh, with, uh, most of us have spleen, yes. but some or few, they don't have spleen, but still they live normal life. Mm. But that doesn't mean the spleen is not important in the mm. body. It's actually it's very important. So and, I can generalize spleen. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And mm. the function, yes. uh, maybe we can categorize it in five categories. Uh, one is the immunological function, as, as I mentioned that, because of the have generation of humoral and cellular immunity mm. and uh, synthesis of the antibodies. And the second function is the filtration function. That's where the reticulendothelial or the macrophages, they try to engulf the damaged red cells mm. and uh, also some parasites like malaria parasites or bacteria like streptococcal capsulated organism. Mm. And also some remnants, nuclear remnants, uh, mm. what they call it, holly jolly bodies, yeah, jolly bodies yeah. or they mm. engulf mm. denaturated hemoglobin or protein, and that's mm. what they call it, high Heinz bodies. Mm. So that's mm. the second function of the uh, spleen. Uh, third function is that it's a, it is a part of the portal system, so it contributes to the vascularity of the portal system yeah. and helps yeah. deliver in that. Yeah. I, I think people sort of feel, well, you can take the spleen out, it's not such a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's almost yeah. like the gallbladder. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, we understand it's not that, and clearly you're, you're demonstrating this. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's often thought about, isn't it? Oh, Correct, well, yeah. Football Correct. Uh, has an injury, the spleen's taken out, oh, well, I'll be yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Now, so there's the, much more to it than the, that. The other function is hematopoiesis. Uh, all we are aware that uh, uh, in, during the fetal life, the liver and the spleen are the ones actually which yes. manufacture these cells, in blood fetal cells, life, yeah. in fetal life. But in adult, they hand over mm. to the bone marrow, mm. and but then the the bone marrow, when it's replaced by fibrous tissue or by any malignancies, mm. it will hand back the. Uh, the process so to the spleen and liver, and that's what we call it extramedullary mm. hematopoiesis. So that, fun that potential it, function isn't lost. Yeah, correct, mm. correct. Now, the other function is the reservoir function or storage function. 8% mm. of the uh, red blood cells are in the spleen. One third of the platelets, they are in the spleen. And the marginated neutrophils, which are important whenever there is a bleeding or uh, infection, they will be released to the circulation, they are in the spleen. And mm. of course, if there is a splenomegaly, they will yeah. be doubled or tripled these amounts. Right. Now, you know, when racehorses, one of the things that they apparently do is contract their spleens. Yeah. Did you know that? So they squirt more blood Correct. into their circulation. In I, don't think, I don't think we've got any ability to do that as humans. Yeah. I don't yeah. think uh, Usain Bolt does that. But I think that um, it's an interesting function yeah, of other it is, animals. It is interesting, yeah. yeah. Now, um, when we talk about absence of spleen, whether it's, it's uh, functionally yes. or, or structurally, yes. uh, uh, functionally, that's what we call it, asplenia or hyposplenia. Right. And a good example is celiac, celiac disease, disease okay, yeah. where there will be atrophy of the spleen and loss of all these functions, mm. and that's mm. where holy bodies appear in yes. the blood. Yes, we're going to see that in the okay. blood. Okay, and mm. uh, uh, the other conditions, it's multiple infarcts happen in the spleen as a result of sickle cell anemia. Mm or mm. uh, thalassemia major, mm. uh, SLE vasculitis, mm. but also we could have hyposplenia or acyplenia in congenital. Right. Now, right. absent structurally, the spleen is absent, that could be either surgical, mm. Mm. I mean, as a result of a trauma, mm. I mean, mm. and that could have car accident or spontaneous rupture of the spleen or mm. iatrogenic during the surgery, mm. or could be there is I mean, indication for this uh, as a result of oncological indication yes, yes. there. And that sometimes happens in, uh, in, tot in radical gastrectomy. Mm. They remove the stomach in the block with the, with the, with the spleen mm. or in total mm. pancreatectomy. Or sometimes they do it for staging mm. and lymphoma or diagnostic or therapeutic. It, it is an organ that gets damaged in yeah. trauma, like football, um, falls, yeah. uh, bicycle falls, well, well, etc. Yeah, for some yeah. horses. It, it's also something that occasionally gets damaged in surgery, doesn't it? Gets Even sometimes it's trivial trauma, for example, tropical splenomegaly, which been actually which I saw overseas many, right. they got discipline because of the malaria right. or uh, chronic myeloid leukemia. And they have a very big spleen with mm. any trivial trauma mm. can rupture. Well, we have had ruptures in colonoscopy where there have been adhesions oh, between okay. the spleen yeah, and the clinic. Uh, wall, and yeah. we, you cannot tell that you're causing trauma, but the splenic capsule is torn mm. and you get a slow bleed. And it's, a, it's something we have to be aware of in colonoscopy. It's an yeah. awful yeah. complication. Mm. Um, yeah. Some other, look, other things which actually yes. can lead to splenectomy is hematological yeah. reason like yeah. hypersplenism or ITP or spherocytosis. Yes. You take the spleen out there, uh, and sometimes as part of the portal uh, hypertension uh, yes. and very yeah. surgery. Now, complications 
Yes, what uh, happens? Post-splenectomy complications. Is that okay if we go through uh, Yes, them? yes. What do yeah. we have to know? Spleen's well, been removed. Yeah, spleen is removed. Uh, of course, we got the immediate one or the acute one. Yes. As any, could be the bleeding. bleeding and sure. That's because of the gastric yeah. artery or uh, the splenic artery. Gastric dilatation, which is very hard really to find the mechanism why they develop gastric dilatations mm. uh, after the spleen, uh, splenectomy. Could be sometimes fistula between the, with the stomach or pancreas or pancreatitis itself, or some lung changes. Mm. But one of the common things which many people are actually uh, familiar with is thrombocytosis. Mm. And mm. that's where they bring us to another topic, which is that postsplenectomy, portal vein thrombosis can happen up to 10%. Okay. And half of these people who develop portal vein thrombosis, they could develop DVT or pulmonary emboli. Mm. And mm. because of the thrombocytosis and, and the activation of the platelets, they could develop even uh, these people, uh, they, they could develop pulmonary hypertension, mm. as mm. we said. And uh, uh, yeah. Is there an indication for uh, aspirin therapy there, antiplatelet therapy, uh, over a thousand? Yes, it is, but it's not, there is no actually uh, studies clear to indicate pro, pro, right. the benefit, but still we use them as aspirin, yeah. Now, the, um, the, the other complications is the subacute or late mm. complications, mm. and really that's a, 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 what they call it, post-splenectomy overwhelming infection or overwhelming post-splenectomy sepsis, OPSI, mm. or OPSS, and that's really a life-threatening conditions. It can lead sometimes to, four, to around 60% death, mm. okay? Mm. Um, so is that is that saying particularly in the first two to three years post? Well, it could happen up to five years already, right. and it's uh, the risk factors uh, we may talk about it now. Um, uh, so generally, it uh, uh, it causes, as I mentioned, high mortality, mm. and uh, the risk of death due to septicemia is two hundred times mm. higher in splenectomized patient than in patients who have the spleen. Mm, okay. It's a very significant figure. And in children, they are more risk, they right. are at high risk, right. especially between two to five years okay. than the adults. Now, hematological, they are more at higher risk than the post-traumatic. Yes. Imagine the, the enthalicemia major, the risk will be 1,100 times than the normal people. Mm. With the post-traumatic is 58 times. Mm. Mm. They're so huge. They're huge. huge. In, in, in something like celiac disease, where you've got a, a non-functioning yeah. spleen, is this a risk as well, or is it, it is, only where it's it been It is a risk, but almost similar to the uh, post-traumatic. Okay. Yeah, post-traumatic. So, so that's in the 50s, because, 50 yeah, times. Be, yeah, because with the, exactly with the celiac, the comorbidities is not like with the sickle cell anemia, Mm. or which can affect other mm. actually body mm. parts like mm. stroke, they mm. can contribute uh, heart, heart failure, so mm. and thalassemia major. Because I, I know you're going to talk about the vaccination and uh, the yeah. antibiotics and so forth fairly soon, but I, I don't think I've ever considered that in a celiac with how jolly bodies that I should be for example, making sure they're vaccinated. Well, yeah. I may have been negligent there. I think that's important. Me to the medical board. That's I've not really discussed important. that with... That's really important. I haven't mentioned that to patients. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something we need to be aware of. Yeah. So as we mentioned, so very high risk, 
And depending on the underlying pathology, the risks can be as high as 1,100 times yeah, in correct, the thalassemia. Correct, correct. And the oncology, for example, because they, some of them especially on chemo, yes, so they yes. perform on, on very high and, risk. And high up to five years. And this is particularly for capsulated organisms. Capsulated organisms. That are subject to optimization, destruction, very and display. Correct, very yeah. correct, yeah. Like your strip pneumonia. Yeah, so. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the, but um, the generally, streptococcal pneumonia is yeah. responsible for 50 to 90%. Yes. Of the isolated from blood yeah. culture, and then we got the hemophilus influenzae, yes. we got Neisseria meningitis, Salmonella species. So the, all these actually, they also but this in the category between tw ten to twenty percent. Right. Okay. Um, now, uh, with the. With the prevention, yes. Okay. What do we do? Uh, what we do exactly? First of all, we have to decide: is the patient really needs splenectomy or not? Yes. We have to revise the indication. Yes. And L the, let's say it's been done. They've had the splenectomy, Mohammed. We've we're in the community. They've been splenectomized. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, if uh, if it if it's already splenectomized, then we really we have to consider other things. Uh, one of them is. Uh, um, Splenicid autotransplantation, which is not really very common, mm -hmm. and that's where they take part of the spleen and they transplant it on the uh, greater momentum. Okay. And they found that these people they are less liable to malaria, right. parasite, and infections right. than people who actually right. uh, they don't have this done. So they keep a tiny bit of the spleen. Correct. And, correct. Uh, yeah. Transplant. And another interesting uh, thing is the accessory spleens. People mm. in autopsy, they have around 10 to 30 percent, they have accessory supplies. Mm. And these accessory supplies, uh, when in, in patient in, with, with, uh, with the supplinectomy, they may start to grow and they start to show some functions. Oh. And, uh, um, and they receive the same, actually, branches of the blood supply from the splenic artery. So this is a like a splinculus. They're very close. Very they're very close. Very by, correct. And mm. how do we know that these accessory supplements uh, are functioning? We can test the IgM level, which, which will be normal. Right. The IgG level in response to uh, pneumococcal polysaccharide, and it should be normal. Mm. And also absence of uh, hollow jolly bodies from, right. The, right. from the bloodstream. And I presume you're going to see this normally. Where they may have been seen at the time of surgery, correct? Or yeah. you'll pick it up on imaging, potentially. Uh, or not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. Can be hard to see. Yeah. Hard to determine from other, distinguish yeah, from other tissues. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, generally, the uh, guidelines for the prevention and treatment of it of post-splenectomy infection rely in three important areas. Yes. One is the immunization, which we talk, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I can go through them very quickly, mm. and mm. the prophylactic antibiotics, and then the patient information and awareness. Mm. In regard to the immunization, then we mm. have the pneumococcal vaccine, the uh, hemophilus influenza vaccine, meningococcal C vaccine, mm. and the influenza vaccine. So that's generally the ones which are approved. Can we assume that every person having a splenectomy in an Australian hospital is just going to be ordinarily put on the spleen 
splenectomy register. And, yes, should be. and yeah, and they given should, these, yeah, should be given these, and actually uh, within hospital, are they normally given early? Is there a, is it a time yes, issue when yes, it should be yes, immunised? It should be given within the next, uh, yeah, I mean within the next few weeks right, after that, right. yeah, yeah, with the uh, uh, immunisation. Because my, most septic events occur, as we said, within the most severe septic events yeah. occur reasonably early. Yeah. But it could be up to five years if you don't do this. Yeah, but uh, we're talking about the trauma one but the yeah. people who actually have elective splenectomy yes they should have the vaccine really before that yes okay so it should be given two weeks before right. the surgery uh, like the pneumococcal right, vaccine you, Muhammad, yeah. so they get this work yeah. up in advance yeah. okay uh, yeah. pneumococcal vaccine should be given two weeks before a pre-splenectomy and two weeks after pre-splenectomy ah, okay. yes the same thing with the others but they have different actually now with the antibiotic, uh, the antibiotic, it's uh, the, the prophylactic antibiotic, mm. antibiotics for the acute infection, and the standby antibiotics. Well, let's so, say, let's talk about the prophylactic, so acute septic things, probably another discussion, but yeah, yeah t talk about the prophylactic antibiotics. Well, why uh, do we need those? If they're being immunised, why do you also have to give them well, penicillin or erythromycin? Well, why is it necessary? It's still liable for the other bacteria capsulated organisms. Okay. That's vaccine only certain numbers actually yep. but they're okay. still liable mm. to so you really need to cover for the others and uh, different doses uh, penicillin uh, usually the standard one yes and uh, you may use different alternative uh, according in, to the age in quite low dose yes yeah, yeah mm. quite low dose and that's forever yeah for those patients uh, there is a bit of controversy for that some of the studies they think should be forever especially those with oncological problems mm. Other they think five years will be enough. Mm. Yeah, mm. especially post-traumatic. Okay. Right. Okay. Now there is the other one is a standby antibiotics. This antibiotic should be every patient with splenectomy should have. So if you're going antibiotic five days. You're away from the general practitioner. In case if he feels fever yes. or anything, yes. he should have this one also. It's full dose antibiotics for five days. What, and what would you recommend? Well, penicillin is usually is the yeah, one. To, yeah, yeah, assuming yeah, that I have an allergy yeah. to that. Penicillin, yeah. amoxicillin, or yeah, yeah. Um, the third thing which is important is the education, patient information, and awareness. Yes. So the, that's what they call it, risk registries. And, uh, and uh, they should have what they call it, medic alert disk. Yes. I yeah. have no functioning spleen. Um, at risk of uh, mm. overwhelming life-threatening infection. Mm. Um, they should have a bracelets or they should have uh, some wallets, cards carried with them. Uh, the, the risk register is they not only concentrate on the patient, but also they, can, they actually uh, reach the families, they educate the mm. families, mm. the staff, they, mm. and they give them all these. It's usually at the front is written, for example, some of the uh, this ones they have on the on the front is written unpotentially life threatening infection yeah. at risk. Yes. At the back they should that's to the patient he should what he should do, yes. including immunization, oral antibiotics, carry bracelets, consult LMO yes. for episode of infection or keep dose of antibiotics standby at home, and should consult with the doctor or working in especially in travel area where yes. uh, in the malarial areas where they travel overseas. Yeah. It should be a big alert for, yeah, uh, yeah, for the yeah, patient yeah. And, and I guess for the patient's yeah, doctors. Yeah. And there are a few, many things, uh, as I mentioned, uh, some of the cards they put, I have no functioning yeah. spleen. Yeah, just like a corticosteroid patient dependent. 
Do you, do you like the spleen, the spleen registry, which is an Australian? I, I don't know if that was an Australian first. It's Alfred Hospital. Yeah, yeah, well, usually, yeah. is this a, is this a worldwide? Uh, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Initiative now? Yes, it is worldwide. And actually, if you search about it, you'll see different language and different types of... Right, okay. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I have all this before. I can have to try it to you later. Yeah. Well, Mohammed, that's very... Thank you for walking us through that. Thank yeah, you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, they say superstition is the spleen, the spleen of the soul. I'm not quite sure how to work that into this discussion exactly, but there's so many uh, sort of... Um, Holmes and Shakespeare and everyone's written about this plane one way or another and it's very nice to talk with you about it in this kind of depth and to have someone yeah. with your knowledge and yeah, talent around yeah. to help us yeah. with it. So thank you very much, Mohammed, for joining me today. Thank you very much, Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me in that conversation with a very much loved, intelligent and generous uh, Dr. Muhammad al-Sufi. I really do enjoy getting little glimpses of the world through the prism of doctors that have trained overseas and see the world so differently and they've had such different experiences to us in Australia. Muhammad did a presentation to the Royal Australian College on Splenectomy too, which was really excellent. Now, during the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and maybe email to manager at glhealth.com.au.